Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello Grace Life and welcome to 2024. Shane Holsgrove here, uh, Central uh, Elder, um, representing the Central Eldership team. And uh, I wanted to just uh, first of all start off by wishing you a happy new year. I know it's February and we started the year, but um, you know, as a ministry, we usually take um, a Sunday around this time of the year just for me as the lead pastor, just to send you guys a message uh, to also just tell you a bit about um, the year ahead, what we feel on our hearts as central leadership. So, you know, we kicked off the year as central elders, myself, um, um, you know, Marna and I, and then Chart and um, um, from Piketburg, um, uh, Etienne uh, from Tigerburg, and Peter from uh, Stellenbosch. We got together and we were just praying together and and um, and just seeing like what is on God's heart for us as a ministry, as a, as a family of churches for the year ahead. And, you know, after that, we spent two evenings together with all the campus pastors. Um, online, we had uh, Albania with us. We had Blankenberger from Belgium with us uh, for the first time, which was exciting. And we had Sol Solaris Pass with us as well. And we were all just um, then just sharing with them about uh, the, the year ahead and praying together as well. And, and now this is our opportunity to share some of those things with you. And, you know, we're not necessarily sharing specific plans um, and, and that nothing really is changing. We're doing what we know always to do. But the theme that we felt the Lord give us for this year is build the house build the house. And so I just wanted to take a moment to share with you about how we want to build the house together with you. And we want to invite you to build the house with us. So what do we mean by the house? Firstly, we're going to, we're going to look at that uh, within a couple of verses together. So, you know, I think when I say build the house, I was uh, thinking about this when I was preparing and I realized a lot of different ideas would come up uh, for different people. One of the first ideas that would, might come up for you is from uh, Psalm 127 verse 1, which says, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain build it. Now, um, another verse, before I, I comment on that, that comes up for a lot of people, is in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, where Jesus says to Peter, uh, uh, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I remember years back, I was in a leadership meeting, and uh, I was asking the question of how can we build the church this year? And, you know, that's something that we as leaders often ask ourselves is how can we reach more people? How can we uh, disciple pe more people? And how can we build the family, the church more? So we were looking at how can we build the church? And, you know, someone piped up and said, you know, except the Lord build the house. The, the, they that labor, labor in vain. And they also said, you know, Jesus said, I will build my church. I think we need to get out of the way and allow Jesus to build his church. And the sentiment that that carries is we must just come and Jesus will do the rest. And I want to start off this year by um, encouraging you, if you have that view, you need to change that view. 
Because that, that's an incorrect view of how Jesus wants to build what we are doing here. Okay, what God is doing through us as grace life. You know, we're, we're called to uh, uh, take the, the message of the gospel around the world. And part of our aim, our vision, our desire is to help people discover the reality of Christianity. That it's not just a religion. It's not just a, a way of life. It's not just a this or a that, but it's life. And it's something that he wants for all of us to experience. <clears throat> But part of that is building a family, building a local family, which will help to accomplish that. So, you know, if we, if we look at um, the, the, when Jesus said, um, upon this rock I will build my church. He's not saying that upon Peter he's going to build the, the, the church, but he's saying upon this revelation that Peter had. What was the revelation? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail with uh, explaining those verses to you. But I want to show you where Jesus built the church. Okay, that first verse in Psalm says, except the Lord build the house. Now, what is the house? What is the house of God? Think about it for a moment. John chapter 14 shows us um, that, um, well, let, let, let me look at it. It's, uh, it's important. John chapter 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. A lot of people get out of that, that there's a mansion waiting for me in heaven. And I'm not going to get into all of that right now, but I'm going to say that one day you'll be disappointed if you're looking for your mansion. Okay. If you look at John 14, verse 2, and what Jesus is saying, He's saying, in my Father's house are many mansions. You can't find a, a house with mansions in it. So the, this verse is symbol, symbolic. It's talking of something. And he's saying, in my Father's house, in the body of Christ, in my Father's house, in the family of God, in the church, are many mansions. The mansions are the dwelling place of God. So in the family of God, the local, in, in the church, there are dwelling places for God. You and I are the mansions. You and I are the dwelling places of God. So, you know, in the Greek, the, the word mansions gives the idea of a permanent dwelling place. And we know that he doesn't live in buildings made of stone, but he lives in us. So, this is what we need to see, is that except the, the Lord build the house, Okay, how did the Lord build his house? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of uh, Jesus, which allowed for the Holy Spirit to come and indwell believers. So now because of the, we are the dwelling place of God, we are the house together of God. So this is saying, except the Lord build the house, the, they that labor, labor in vain. So that's saying that if you're laboring, if you're striving to become a dwelling place of God, to attract the presence of God and to be where the presence of God is at, it's going to come to nothing because that's not how God works. You're laboring in vain if you're trying to get the presence of God to come and for the presence of God to be. The Lord had to prepare or build the house for the Spirit of God to be there. How did he do that? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, God has made a way for his spirit to come and dwell in us. 
And now believers are the dwelling place, the mansions of God. Together we are his house, the church. So he has built the house. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. If you look at that other verse um, in Matthew where it says, um, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Think about that phrase for a moment. Jesus is speaking before his death, his burial, and his resurrection. What is he saying? He's not saying, hey guys, I'm going to get some bricks and I'm going to build the church. He's not saying, I'm going to build the church, a building. We know that he's talking about a people, a community, a family. Okay? But do you know what this verse is saying is really that he's not He's not really building the church today like that. He is in a way and he isn't. Not the way that we think. We think just become part of the church, sit back and let God bring people. Let God grow people. Do you know that God is not the one who brings people. You are the one that brings people. You help to build the house by bringing people. Okay, that's the first, and I, I think that's important in that statement for you to see. The other thing I want to show you there is that, okay, so you, God is not the one who brings people, we are, but also, yes, God is involved in growing people, but God is not the one who grows people, we are. If we want to look at what spiritual growth is and how spiritual growth happens, we have to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 11 onwards, which says that he gave leadership giftings in the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to grow them for ministry, so that they would grow to become mature, so that they would grow so that they're no longer children tossed to and fro. So leadership in the local church, leadership's responsibility is to grow you. God won't grow you. He's given that responsibility to the leaders in the church. And then we all mature to the place where we help other people grow. Okay? So... When Jesus is saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he's talking before the resurrection, before uh, 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 the birth of the church at Pentecost. And what he's saying is, uh, is that he was prophesying about that time when he would build his church. So he's given birth to the church at Pentecost. The church exists. He's built his church. And now he continues to build the church like this. Okay, 1 Peter 2 verse 5. Ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. So it's not a physical house, it's a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we are um, living stones, lively stones. So how do we build the church when people receive Christ and they become born again, they become a living stone and our part in helping those people to become saved is helping to build the church. Then, you know, um, uh, we, we, we know the verse well in uh, Grace Life um, you know, uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is good and acceptable in the eyes of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved. So God's will is all men to be saved, all men to become living stones and to come to a knowledge of the truth, to become mature in Christ. So our part in helping to build 
the house is that we would be reaching out to people, the lost, helping them to receive Christ. Then they become living stones. And then we help them mature as believers, help them come to a, 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 a revelation of the knowledge of truth. Now, how do we do that second part? Okay, we do that second part, helping them come to a knowledge of the truth. We help them do that by becoming part of the house, part of the family. The, and for us, obviously, the, the church is, in, is made up worldwide of every true believer in Christ. And right now, Grace Life is part of the worldwide church. So if you're a believer and you're part of us, you're not just part of Grace Life. You're part of the worldwide church of God, which includes people even sometimes in the Catholic church. There's some born-again Catholics, Catholics who don't uh, just go through rituals, but actually have believed on Jesus for this, their salvation. And so we're part of the worldwide church, but we build the worldwide church by building the local church. The local church is a family. And so I want to encourage you this year and invite you to focus on helping us build the family. It's not just building the house, although that's what we're saying, but it's building the family. Okay, so, you know, when we say we're building the house or building the family, what we're talking about is, number one, we might need buildings. We need buildings, okay? You know, at all of our campuses, really, amen, we need buildings. Uh, we need good buildings, but we're not here about buildings. We can operate in a shed, <laughs> amen? We can operate in a rented venue. We can operate under a tree if the weather helps us. But the point is, it's, it, it, buildings are important, but that's not our aim and main focus. The aim is kingdom. And this kingdom is an unseen kingdom. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And so by building the house, we are first and foremost talking about investing into people. I want to invite you to consider, how can you invest into people this year? What do we mean by investing into people? Helping them get saved. Give to missions. Giving to your local church. Maybe a good New Year's resolution for some is, uh, how can I aim to increase my giving to the kingdom? So we invest into people through evangelism, through giving to our local church so they can continue. But we also uh, invest into people through discipleship, helping them come to a knowledge of the truth. We do that by giving into the local church, which disciples me and disciples you and disciples each other. Um, but it's also by actually being a disciple. And we need to unpack that and see what that is. So we need to invest into people. Um, another way we invest into people is, so we invest into people through evangelism. We invest into people through discipleship. Ephesians 1.15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto the saints, your love unto all the saints. Other verses say the same thing. And what blesses me with that is it's showing firstly that faith can be seen. There's a good question to challenge yourself with this year. Can my faith be seen? Second question to challenge yourself with this year is it, it says that love can be seen. So he's heard or seen about the love towards all the saints. Is your love for the saints heard about? Do people talk about your love for believers, for the church, for the people in grace life, your brothers and sisters in Christ? So we need to consider these things. 
How am I loving those in the family? We're called to love the family before we're called to love anyone outside the family. So we are inviting you to help us by investing into people. Financially, yes. Of your time, yes. Of yourself, yes. Of your treasures, your, your abilities, your talents, yes. We're inviting you to build community. How do we build community? You need to ask yourself, how can I help to build community this year? You can build community through a life group. You can build community by reaching out to other people. Ask them to go for, for Sunday lunch with you. I challenge you to ask someone to do that that you haven't done it with before. You, you, we, we help to build community by loving and caring for one another. If someone's in need, by supporting them. Okay, There's different ways that we help to build community, build relationship. The community gathers around the Word. We gather around the Word so that we can grow. We grow together as a family for the purpose, and growing is discipleship, but we grow for the purpose of going into all the world to reach people and make disciples. Now, we, we, we gather to grow. That's talking about discipleship. So I want to challenge you with the thoughts of, number one, how can I help Build the community. Number two, how can I help? How can I personally grow as a disciple this year? Ministry school. There's a great way to grow. If you've done ministry school, the leadership academy, that's a great way to grow. You can grow through uh, uh, um, going to a Bible study. You can go, grow in many different ways. Okay, But grow as a disciple. And then also ask yourself, who can I help to grow as a disciple this year? Maybe lead a life group, reach out to a, an unbeliever, reach out to a baby believer, help them grow in the knowledge of the truth. This year, we're also going to have tools for you to help you disciple others. We're busy working on that. And um, your campus pastor will tell you more about that. I'll tell you a little bit more in a, in a sec. But ask yourself, how can I be part of discipleship more this year? And then, you know, so we gather around the word and we gather together around the word, which is community, in order to grow, which is discipleship, in order to go, which is mission. Go into all the world, go into your world in order to live out our purpose as believers. Okay, and there's many ways that you can do that. There's many opportunities at your campus and in the ministry to do that. Now I challenge you to step into more of what God's called you to in this year. So today, another thing I wanted to just uh, highlight is we are celebrating with many students. Um, I actually should have looked at how many, but we're celebrating with the graduates of Grace Life Ministry School 2023. So, you know, at your campus, if there were any graduates, anyone who did Grace Life Ministry School last year, your campus pastor is going to call them forward. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to give them a certificate. Um, and um, I trust that it stirs you up to consider doing ministry school this year because there'll be an opportunity for you to do it. And remember, for Grace Life, it's free because we want to equip you. It's a service that we have to our family. So I want to encourage you and challenge you to consider how am I investing into people? How am I building community? And how am I part of disciple making? You're blessed. Have a wonderful service. And I trust, or we can, we can trust together, 2024 is going to be a year of more of what God has for us. Awesome. How good is that video? Let's give Hendriku a hand. He's right at the back there. Thank you, Hendriku. So uh, the man behind the camera, uh, a real blessing. Um, 
And uh, yeah, that's a way that he's giving to, to help grow. Um, it's also part of our ministry on uh, YouTube, etc. So um, what an awesome opportunity to gather, to grow, to go. We've said it last year, it's the same this year. And uh, yeah, just family, build the house. And as soon as Shane said those words, it just uh, resonated in my heart. And that is what not just we're about, but what this year is a main focus for us, as always. But really, if we understand that, then we'll be expectant and we'll be excited to grow, isn't it? And then if we're part of the family, so much better. So we are looking at ways to grow. We're looking at ways to grow and grow the family, grow the house, grow what God is about. And um, like we said, discipleship is really a key. Discipleship is a key. Um, And discipleship happens in community. And that's why we have built a house through discipleship. So a few years ago, we had something similar where every week we bring out one discipleship resource. And for all our life groups, this is going to be the curriculum where we're going to bring out a discipleship resource every week. And um, the idea for you is not just to do it, but to do it so that you can do it with someone else. And that's really the beauty of discipleship and multiplication. And um, that is the model that God put forth. Amen. And his wisdom, you know, the, the, it's, it's not a proverb, but there's this famous wisdom story about the guy who wanted to buy something. And he said, well, just give me a double the, um, the rice for every block on the, on the chessboard. Everyone heard of that Chinese wisdom something. It's not Chinese wisdom. It's God's wisdom. <laughs> so every time you double... Like, I can't remember, but you can go look it up. It is an insane amount, which you don't realize. You think, like, oh, it's so many blocks, double, double, double. But there is amazing opportunity if we all just do our part. If all of us disciple one person this year, we get discipled, we get equipped, and we disciple someone else, then the house gets built. Amen? Then the kingdom gets expanded, and then people get set free. And that's really what we are about. So we want to build the house. We want to build it through discipleship. So, yeah, you can go to gracelife.co forward slash discipleship. And it's really going to start off foundational. Um, there's even a bit of apologetics in there. And you might think, well, you know this stuff. Well, there's people who don't. On Friday afternoon, we were on campus. And um, we had the first year's fair. And for me, it's a, it's a dipstick into culture. <laughs> it's a dipstick to where the world is and where the world is going. And what we and myself and Kunrad both said is there was an openness that we haven't experienced before. And uh, Lorenza, even with her athletic stall, they had the similar, like there's an openness that we haven't seen before. Meaning that people have questions, and if we've got answers, then there's a conversation that should be had. And that's really the opportunity that we have, is to disciple people in the truth. We get ourselves discipled so we can disciple others. Paul says to Timothy, he says, teach those who's able to teach others also. And that doesn't mean you know how to stand and how to present and how to look at the screen and when to look forward. No, it means like you've got something to share. If you're able to teach, it means you have a revelation. If you're able to teach, it means you've been equipped. If you're able to teach, it means you've got a message. Now, there's only one message. Amen? And I recently spoke to someone, and I said, Did you know that the gospel means good news? And they didn't. That's where a lot of people are. Like I said, how can the church speak about things that's not good news? Because then it's not gospel. Evangelical. Or evangelisasi, like the Afrikaans word says. Evangelisasi needs to be good news. Otherwise, it's not gospel. <laughs> it's not evangelism. It's not evangelisasi. So we look at building the house, building the family and how you can be part of it. But one question I want to ask you then again is not just what are we building or how are we building it, but why? And there's a, a famous thing by Simon Sinek that says start with why. And a lot of people hang, hang on to Simon Sinek like he's the gospel, but he's Jewish. He doesn't believe in Christ. 
So we can get some things from him, but he's not going to set you free. But this is good. It says, start with why. He calls it the golden circle. Then how, and then what? So God so loved the world that he gave. So what had happened? He gave what? Jesus. How? Well, incarnation. But why? Love. So that's the most important part of that statement. God loves. Therefore, he gave. So we're going to build a house. That what? How? Discipleship. But why? Well, it's God's plan. Because <laughs> we're part of it and it works. But let's unpack that just a little bit this morning. Maybe you are considering whether church is still relevant. A lot of people are. Is church still relevant? I had some interesting conversations in uh, my corporate uh, engagements this week about church and where church is moving and how it's becoming less formal and where people are either in or out. Like there's no more this middle, like low Christian, like either you're all out or you're all in. Um, and that's a good place, actually, I believe. Because then we know who's our, our target audience. We know who needs it, amen, and we know who's in our flock. So we're looking at this and we're saying, why are we building the house? This is really the purpose and motivation behind what we do. Then we can work out on the how and the what, which Shane has greatly established for us. So I want to just link this to our message from last week that was about... Um, I need to get all the names right because there's so many generations in Genesis. <laughs> so we looked at Joseph, we looked at Jacob, and uh, we looked at uh, actually uh, Jacob and Esau. And uh, how Esau despised the birthright. He despised his place in the family and then he missed out on the blessing. And um, from Genesis 28 verse 1, we pick up where we left last week. And it says, from the Passion Translation, Before Jacob left, Isaac called for him and blessed him and gave him these instructions. For I forbid you to marry a Canaanite woman. This is for me really amazing that um, I always thought Jacob just like, uh, he tricked his father, he tricked his brother and then he sped off with his donkey and there they went. But it's actually amazing the love of the father that called him in and he said, Jacob, before you leave, I want to bless you again. So Isaac blesses Jacob again and then he gives him an instruction not to marry a Canaanite woman. And we take it to verse 3. It says, May the God who is always more than enough bless you abundantly. So he blesses him again. He says, May he make you fruitful and multiply your descendants until you become many tribes. May he impart to you and your seed the blessing of Abraham. So that, you may gave, um, so that you may possess the land where you now live as a foreigner. The land God gave to Abraham. And we said, if Esau didn't despise the birthright, then we would have known God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Just think about that. For all generations, that would have been recorded. But now it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For a pot of lentils. Okay. For biggie poiki course. But that's not really what it is. It's because he despised the birthright that he did not protect it. It says, may he impart to you and your seed the blessing of Abraham. So basically speaking that the gospel that Christ is going to come through his lineage. Verse 5 then, Isaac sent Jacob on his way to Padan Aram and the land of his grandfather Bethuel, the Armenian, the home of Laban, Bethuel's son and the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So he sends him back to his family. And then verse uh, 10 Jacob left Beersheba and journeyed towards Haran. He encountered a certain place at sunset and camped there for the night. He took a stone from there, made it his pillow and lay down to sleep. Now this is one of those famous stories in the children's Bible. 
like Jacob who slept on a rock. Okay? Now what I hope to do for you this morning in a little bit of time that we've got left is to just enrich that. Okay? Just to bring out the true meaning of what happens there. Because it's not just another Old Testament encounter, another story, and oh yeah, why did this guy sleep on a rock, and wasn't there pillars around? That's not the point. (laughs) There's something in there that we need to dig out, and we want you to to get it, not just from what Peter says, but what the Word says. Anyone happy with that? So we're looking at building the house, and you'll see, I mean, when I prepare, like, I'm excited, and then things come together, and then I just sit there, and I'm like, wow. And I hope you have that this morning, not because you need a feeling, but because you will see God's goodness. You will see that God has intended from the start what we are living in now. And I'm going to show it to you this morning, and it's going to be amazing. So just stick with me. So he goes and he lays down on a pillow. Okay? Then he has a certain dream, a dream of a stairway securely fixed on the earth and reaching into heaven. And there were messengers of God ascending and descending on the stairway. Everyone still with me? If you grew up in church, you know this. If you don't, it's quite awesome. eh? So he had a dream about a staircase or a ladder. And the ladder really did what? Connected heaven and earth. And then there's angels. Often we read angels. We think they're guys with wings. And they're sometimes just messengers. They are God's messengers. If we read angels in the Revelation, the book of Revelation, it speaks about pastors actually. God's messengers. So we can all be God's messengers, can't we? You don't need a pulpit or a microphone. So, it says in verse 13, And Yahweh stood beside him and said to him, I am Yahweh and the God of your father, Abraham and God of Isaac. You are lying on the very ground that I will give to you and your descendants. They will become as numerous as the specks of dust on the earth, and they will extend their territory in all the directions. Through you and your descendants, I will bless the whole world. Not the Israelites. So it cannot be just about the ground. Is it? It can't be just a little bit of patch in the Middle East that people are currently fighting for. It might include that, but it's not limited to that. Because it says, through what is coming, I want to bless not just a tribe, I want to bless the whole world. So what is coming? Christ. For God so loved the world that He sent Christ. Yes, He sent Him as a Jew. He died as a Jew and is resurrected as Son of God. Amen? He's going to live forever. Isn't that awesome? Never forget, I will always be with you and will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land, for I will never leave you nor fail to fulfill every word that I have promised. Okay, that's all in the dream. So he has a dream, he sees the staircase, he sees angels up and down. God speaks, he's got all these promises. And it's telling him, like, this is what I told basically your father Isaac. This is what I promised you, Abraham. Through you and your descendants, all the world's going to be blessed. Everyone with me? Then he wakes up. Now you're like, if you've ever had a, a dream like that, then you're like, what's this God? What's this really God? You're like, you need to be careful with dreams. Let me just give you that for free. Like, if it doesn't align with the word, don't take it. Amen. But in this case, Jacob works from his dream. He's overcome with awe. That's the word awesome. So you know, God is really the only one who could be awesome. Like, because that's worship. I stand in awe. I stand in awe of you. That's the root for awesome. And these days, dogs are awesome. Ice cream is awesome. Everything is awesome. Like the Lego song. Not true. No one watched the Lego movie. Armand, you're missing out. Marius, you know what I'm talking about. You need to know your crowd, otherwise your jokes just go missing. I'm not going to sing it to you. 
Not that lucky. Everything is awesome. <laughs> How awesome is this place? I have stumbled right into the house of God. This place is a portal, the very gate of heaven. How awesome is this place? This gate is a portal, the very gate of heaven. If you can just put verse 17 up for us, please, Teresa. Just check this out. He awakes from his sleep and he says, God is in this place. Verse 17 then, he goes on and he says, This is the house of God. This is the portal of heaven. Amazing. God is in that place. God is in that place. God is the portal to heaven. Like the the house of God is the portal of heaven. And he was afraid. That afraid is all. It's, it's the fear of God. It's worshipping afraid. It's not, I'm going to run away afraid. It is, God is amazing. How dreadful, again, how awesome. Like, you need to understand the old English there. Otherwise, you think God is just scary. He isn't. This guy wakes up excited. Amen. <laughs> not fearful. He says, how, how, if, how amazing is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is really the, the, the whole message of today is in this verse for me. The house of God, the church, is the portal, the gateway to heaven. That's why this is so valuable. That's why this is so important. That's why we give our lives. This is why we get up early on sat- Sunday mornings, while we stay up late on Sunday, Saturday nights to get things ready, to build, to, to, to send out messages, to do ministry school. Why? Because if we draw people into the house of God, we bring them into the gateway of heaven. Don't miss that. People think that I can find God by myself. Yes, you can, but you're going to miss out because God is in all of us. When we get together, we gather, then there's an amazing part of of, of heaven that we encounter. So the house of God is really where we get to experience heaven. Don't miss that. Heaven is not a place you go one day. Heaven is the supernatural spiritual realm. Heaven is when we get together in a shed... We're experiencing heaven. This is, this is church, yes, because we're all here. You know what? They've had year-end functions for Hamilton's Rugby Club in here. It wasn't church then. Now some people won't want to know that because maybe then you won't come again because they think the place is defiled. Don't worry, Jesus touched the leper. Amen? And they became clean. We don't need to be afraid of, of, of things like that. The church really is then the house of God. And the house of God is like Narnia. Where you go to this big house, you come to us, and in that corner, there's a little cupboard. And in that cupboard, you get to experience heaven. And that's what you do when you come into community. When you come into fellowship, you come and experience heaven. Why? You get a word from someone. You get support from someone. You get a prayer. You join a ministry. You join a life group. You, 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 your life changes and before you know it, and you don't know why. You don't know how. But you just stick to God's process. I want to say the process, but God's process. What is God's process? Community. Go read Acts 2. They were together daily, breaking bread from house to house. They were submitted to the apostles' doctrine. You know what the word doctrine is not just body of teaching or knowledge. The word doctrine is your mode of interpreting. Think about that. Your mode of interpreting. And if you'd have done ministry school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For one whole year, we teach you our mode of interpreting the word. And we believe that is the mode that Jesus interpreted the word and the apostles interpreted the word. And if you'd missed that, 
you're going to miss a lot. You're going to miss a lot of, 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 of the, even the um, gevolgtrekkingen that we get to. Because if you don't understand the Bible, the write the Bible in the way that we understand it, then we're not going to come to the same conclusions. The house of God is the portal to heaven, the gate, the door, the entrance. Now interesting, the word there for gate or portal speaks about something spectacular. Now don't realize, I don't know if you realize, a lot of people spend a lot of money on their entrances. Wine farms. Massive entrance. This is it. Like the church is this entrance to heaven. It's, it's quite amazing. It's quite spectacular. But remember, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. So I'm sure there's people who come here and say, no, this is not for me. Because like, it's not about that. It's about, it's about the portal of heaven. Amen? It's about what we receive here, the nourishment, the spirit, the food. It's about family. They're referring specifically to the large and imposing entrance. These really is the, the, the theme of building the house even came up in our prayer meetings on Tuesdays. One day, it was interesting, like you heard saying, like I've been part of this process now from the start as a central elder and then campus pastors. And before we sort of shared, this is it, people piped up in a ministry in, uh, on Tuesdays in our prayer meeting and said, listen, I see blueprints. I see architectural drawings. Um, and, and, and God says we should celebrate the stage that we're in. Don't just rush to get done, finish the building, but there's a building like building a verb, not building a noun. We are building the house. That's, we're working on it. Living stones. We're not looking at a building and now we're done and what's our purpose? Now our purpose is to build a house, to build into you. Why? The first reason I give you is the house of God is the portal to heaven. The house of God is the portal to heaven. Second reason why is from 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. It says, if I tarry long that you may know how you ought to behave or conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. See, now we've jumped from Genesis to Timothy. And Paul says here that, that I want to show you how to conduct yourself where? The church of God, the house of God, same thing. It says that the house of God is the church of the living God. You see, it's not a building. The, the house of God is you. How do you build the church? You build people. You build into people. You bring more living stones, but you grow those that you've got. The pillar... Oh, this is it. This is it. The pillar and ground of truth. Now, the mode of interpreting the Bible for us is that everything that's in the new is a confirmation or a fulfillment of what was promised in the old. And all the ministry school students, I can see they know what I'm talking about. So don't just read a verse like that and move on. Where is the first time that the house of God is mentioned in the Bible? We've just read it. Genesis. Jacob wakes up. He says, this is the house of God. What does he do? He takes a rock and you can read it. He makes it a, a pillar. And he sets it on the ground. And he throws oil over it. And he says, surely this is the house of God. This is the portal of heaven. Now, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, the house of God is the church of the living God. That is the pillar that Jacob prophesied. That is where the Holy Spirit in the form of oil was poured over the rock 
that Jacob slept on. And the ground there is foundation. So you can't just put a rock up. You need to make it firm. Isn't that amazing? The house of God, the church of the living God. The word there, house, really speaks of, um, of family. Now, I worked for ShopRite for five years, and one of their brands is house and home. And I don't know if you know, that their tagline is making your house a home. So they say you can buy a house and it's empty, but then when you make your house a home, it means it's comfortable, it's cozy, a family can live there. Anyone with kids know that your house isn't perfectly neat and tidy all the time anymore. Amen, said everyone. <laughs> but you don't want it to be. Because it will only be if it's empty. But we don't have houses, and we don't make homes to, to be empty. It's fine if there's a mess. It's fine if there's a spill. It's fine. And that is the house of God. It really, the word, you can look up the Greek, it speaks about where a family lives. It's not a building, again. You know, you can go into, in America, this is big. I didn't realize, you, they do staging. They call it staging. So, you go and look at a house that's empty. You, you never go look at a house that's empty, basically, even if no one lives there. There's businesses who have trucks full of furniture and stuff, prinkies they put on the walls and flowers, and they stage a home. So you don't buy a house, they show you what it will look like as a home. Anyone with me? Guys, when you get married, and you have to take your Joost van der Westeis and posters off, and your Weerpeer flag, that's why guys have bars, because that's the only corner that you can put those stuff. No? That's when your house becomes a home. Okay? So the church of God is a home in that sense. It is where it is comfortable for kids. That's why we have the kids right here. It's fine. It's our family. If we have family lunch, it's messy. But it's family. It's home. It's together. This is the house, the home, the assembly of God. Now the pillar and ground of truth. Pillar means support and ground means foundation. So like I've shared already, I, I, I ran ahead a bit. Genesis 28.18. Genesis 28.18, Jacob just wakes up and he says, Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone he had under his head, set it up as a pillar. Isn't that amazing? So we read pillar in the New Testament, we can't think, make up what it means. We need to go find what it means in the Old Testament. He set it up as a pillar and anointed it by pouring oil over the top of it. Oil ran from the top of the pillar down to the ground in the foundations. That is a picture of church. We are the ones who support truth, but with the Holy Spirit's oil that is flown over, poured over us. So we're not just a rock. We're a rock covered by the Holy Spirit. We're a rock overwhelmed by His goodness. He named the place Bethel, house of God, though the city was once called Luz. Jacob C., um, you could see in a heap of stones, a pillar, the house of God that would arise. This is the first mention, like I said, of this in Scripture. The house of God was filled with His presence. A gateway to heaven. A stairway with angels and messengers carrying revelation between heaven and earth. Anyone with me? That is how awesome the Bible is. Where you take a story that you think is just a guy who slept on a rock... But now it is a promise of an eternal reality. 
And when we read the New Testament as study notes of the Old, then we get these, these juicy nuggets of grace. We get to understand that God is not angry on the one side and friendly on the other. God is a God of mercy, a God of grace, slow to anger, abundant in mercy. Amen? I can give you so many Old Testament verses that says, Your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. We think it's a New Testament grace reality. Well, God is about the testament of grace. And it's not just in the new part of our Bible. You ready for one more as we conclude? One more. It says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So we've got two witnesses. Let me give you a third. John 1 verse 51. John 1 verse 51. So we're looking at Genesis 28. We, wrote, we saw Paul's commentary in 1 Timothy, and now we see what John says about it in John 1.51. What Jesus said, I says, I prophesy to you eternal truth. Now, eternal truth is not true from now until. Eternal truth is true now, it's been true forever, and it will be true forever. Eternity is outside of time. When we read eternity, our minds want to think linear. And then you think, like, where did God start? Well, that means it's not eternal, if it has a start. But when will this life end? How long is eternity? Wrong question. Okay, our minds struggle, but eternity means outside of time. Not an abundance of time. Remember that. That will help your study. I prophesy to you a truth, an eternal truth, something that's been true forever. From now on, you will all see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon Him. What a Jacob dream. A stairway connecting heaven and earth with messengers, angels going up and down. Heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon what? The Son of Man. Don't raise your hand, but who's ever prayed for an open heaven? Heaven is open. So what Jacob dreamed of was one day heaven will be open. Now Jesus is that stairway that, could, that, that connects heaven and earth. Now is Jesus in heaven or is Jesus on earth? Both. Because He is the connection between the natural and the spiritual. He is the stairway that connects heaven and earth. So we take the stairway, we go into Christ, we focus on Him. We, he's the hero. He's the one who's done it all. He's the one who paid it all. And He gives us revelation. Heavenly revelation. Spiritual revelation. Eternal truths. And we bring it down the stairway and we come share it with you. Or tomorrow at work. Or this afternoon at lunch with your family. And now you go back into heaven, but it's actually, you're just on the staircase. You, you, you're in mid-air. Like, you're not really here anymore. Anyone feel like that sometimes? Like, what's the purpose? <laughs> Why do I need to go to work? Is it only me? Why do money run out every month? Is it only me? Like, God, come on, where's the manna? If there's manna, we'll complain. Don't just be so uh, righteous. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I give you fillet steak every day for a month, you'll complain. I promise you. So we go and we, 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 we constantly commune on the staircase. We're doing life with God. That's what we say. But we're going into the secret place. We're getting nourishment. We're getting revelation. We're bringing it down. We're sharing it with others. We're taking people from, from here and say, Hey, come to church with me. Come to ministry school with me. Come to Bible school with me. Come to study with me. You take them and you take them up the staircase. And you sit them down and let them eat from heaven. 
And they get a revelation and they come down and say, hey, you would never believe what this guy said, this crazy guy up front. Like he said that Genesis is linked to Timothy, is linked to, to John and Jesus is the staircase. It's amazing, isn't it? And the pillar was a picture, a prophecy of Christ to come. God's never been angry at us. Someone needs to hear that. We ask the students, first years, to write down questions. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? I'm asking you this morning. Because do not be afraid to ask. One lady said to me, I won't ask anything. Why would I question God? I was like, yeah, it's good, it's God. And then I shared it with someone in Friday night ministry school, and ministry night, and they said to me, but you should have just asked her, don't you ask your dad any questions? I was like, yeah, that's the answer. Jordan asks me questions like he's getting to that stage now. That's communion. It's relationship. It's fellowship with the Father. So if you could ask God one question, what would it be? I remember in 2014, my wife and I graduated from ministry school. Don't tell her, it's 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And I was asked to do a, not an acceptance speech, but to say something. And I said, I've realized that there was, there was answers to all my questions. But more than that, I got answers for questions I haven't yet formulated. I got answers for questions I didn't yet know that I had, or didn't know that I would maybe, or maybe I would have never asked that question, because like that lady said, why would you question God? Because you have fellowship with Him. Because there's communion, intimacy, oneness, relationship with the house of God, but also with the people of God. The stairway into the sky is an obvious reference to Jacob's ladder. The fulfillment of his dream found in Genesis 28. Isn't that amazing? Jesus promises to Jacob in a dream that there is going to be an open heaven and that you would be able to access it any time of the day. You see, so then it's really not about God of whether you're heavenly minded or earthly minded. Because the staircase is there. You just determine on which step you're going to live. That's why Paul writes in Colossians 3, he says, think about things above, not on things of the earth. That's why when we worship, we look up, not because God is there, but in our minds it helps us to realize my problems are here, but there's someone above. You see, if heaven is there, if you live in uh, the United States of America or Canada, then heaven is, is there. Because they live on a different side of the world. So it's really, some of the songs we sing. <laughs> you are God up high and I am down below. Okay? It's a spiritual reality that we need to step into. That we get to step into and that we build the house. Amen? The word angels, like I said, can be translated messengers. Humans given access to the heavenly realm through the blood of Jesus. Jesus, the stairway, both in heaven and earth. And he spoke this even to Nathaniel. This is the why of the house of God. It is a portal, an entryway for people to become spiritually alive and enter into the eternal realm where God lives, rules, 
and reigns. And that is church. The body of Christ. The connection for people to take them from earth, from all the troubles and problems we have here, and connect them to the heavenly source, Christ. The open reality. And like Paul, um, John continues, I think it's John 14, that says, um, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. What it basically says is the Holy Spirit will take your hand, like a father does with his boy, and will take you up the staircase. And you will see the true reality. All truth is reality. You will see how things really are. Meaning not as just a, a rock on the ground. But you will see how that is a prophecy of the church to come. How that is a prophecy of God bringing His Son to connect heaven and earth. Opening up heaven so that we could commune with Him at any moment of every day. Now what religion does, it puts a gatekeeper. That fratol geld. Yeah? Or there's someone always on a higher step than you. So you need, to, you need to appease this person and then they will pray on your behalf. Or you need to, to pay your, your tolls so that they would allow you to come through in this holy moment when the key is right and the wind blows and the smoke machine is on or, or whatever it might be for people. It's not about that. I've had great encounters with God with a smoke machine. Awesome. And I've had many great encounters without. Because it's about my focus. It's about my mindset. It's about where I see myself. Do I see myself just as the dust of the earth? Or have you woken up to the reality that God made a second promise to Abraham? And he said, you'll have many sons like the dust of the earth. But some of them will go up the ladder. And you'll have as many as the stars of heaven. Where do you see yourself? Where do you live? As it is in heaven. Where the stars are. Let us bring that to earth. So let it be on earth. Amen? That is our purpose. That is why we do church. That is why we preach the gospel. That's why we set up a stall and minister to people. That's why we go to ministry night to be equipped. That's why we come here to be together, to gather, to grow, to go. And if you've never seen that, then I want to invite you to take the step and say, Hey, I don't know what this is about, but I want to, I want to take a next step. I want, to, I want to experience, I want to taste and see God's goodness. I want to not live in the dust of the earth anymore, but I want to live as a star. Amen? I don't want to work hard necessarily to become, like ministry school was hard work. Like any students, it was hard work. It was a lot of time. But you did not do it to impress God. What did you do? You convinced yourself, you renewed your mind to how impressed God is about, of you. It didn't change God's perspective of you. But what it is, is every new, new revelation is another step up the ladder. Is another step up to what is already there. Because the ladder is there. Like it's been there for 2,000 years. Now you don't feel the other campuses had a, 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 a more difficult time to get used to the video. If you don't know what I mean, while we're recording, there's often planes coming over. <laughs> 
So uh, what an awesome opportunity. Some people say, no, you can't, like, you can't record where there's that. Like, why not? It's not about the noise. It's about the truth. It's about what gets shared. And yes, we package it like you see in, like, again, amazing video. But it's not about the quality of the video. It, the quality of the video makes it easier to, to receive what was said. Because man still looks at the outward appearance. Amen? So yes, we'll one day have a floor again. And we'll make things easier again. But we're just not there. And that's not what we're going to focus on. So we're not going to stop everything and say, hey, we're going to start a building fund and, and we're not going to have a Sunday again until... I mean, that's facetious, you know, but it's really about the staircase. And we are not building the staircase. Last comment. The pillar and ground, the pillar and foundation of what? Truth. 1 Corinthians 3 says that there is only one foundation. You see, we do not build the foundation. We, we, we use that language erroneously. But we build on the foundation. The wise man builds his house where? On the rock. The foundation. He didn't build the rock. Now, I know in modern buildings, we, we, we dig out stuff and then we pour in cement. And the old way, they dug until they found rock. And then they build on the rock. They didn't create rock. And that's still the strongest houses are the ones who's built on rocks, not cement. So when we build this house, family, we know where we start. We know the blueprints. The foundation is laid. We don't need to come up with new ideas. We just bring us. Hey, Lord, I'm a living stone. And the thing with a living stone is it's like a living sacrifice. It wants to get off the altar. <laughs> it wants to get out of your lane. It wants to... Hey, now you want to grow the house, amen? And then God starts to put people on top of you. More bricks that you need to pass, that you need to support, you need to disciple, and now it gets heavy. You said, Lord, grow the house. <laughs> it's okay. God will never overburden you. And if you build it nicely, there will always be someone next to you who will carry the load with you. John and Romy, they were in the fire, literally. But there was a team of people, a family, praying with them, standing with them, saying, hey, should we come through? What can we do? What can we help? And as the church grows, we need more people, more shepherds, more leaders, more fathers, to make sure we take care of each and every one. Amen? So why don't you grow up this year? Become a father in the house. Say, hey Lord, I want to grow. I want to, I want to do discipleship. I want to do ministry school. I want, to, I want to commit, Lord. You think three hours is a lot? I can name a lot of things that take three hours. Rugby matches these days with all the bunker reviews. It takes about three hours. It's not really not about just putting it into context. It's just like, what do you value? Or do you want to sit here at the end of the year and say nothing changed? Or do you want to say like these students who were up here like, now, now I'm running. And I'm going to run further and faster and higher. Was it the Olympics? But for the kingdom. 
I want to run up the staircase. I want to get nourishment. I want to bring it down. I want to run up and get revelation from God and bring it down. I want to run up and just spend time with God and let Him love on me. And as I come down, like Moses came down the mountain, his face was shining. Sometimes you look at people and it's like, what's wrong with that person? They're so bright and shiny and sparkly. And you'll see if you watch long enough, it's not fake. It's not fake. It's real. Doesn't mean life is always easy. Doesn't mean, I mean, I know a lot of what's going on in this family. And the people who's the happiest are usually the, are often the ones with the biggest challenges. But they've grown to a place where they realize this problem is of this earth. And I just visit here. This is not my reality. And it takes time for all of us to grow into that. We said last week, and I'll say it again and I'll end really this time. The grace of transformation means you don't need to do it in a moment. Change can be gradual. Change can be effortless. Change can be continuous. You don't need to get up one day and tomorrow have everything together. That's not transformation. Transformation is over time. There's change. And then before you know it, you don't realize who you are. You wake up and say, hey, I'm not so bad after all. <laughs> I don't struggle with that anymore. I, or I struggle less. Or I'm happier. Or I'm more alive. I'm less fearful. The challenges that come might be bigger. But I'm not falling apart like I used to. I'm not just living for myself, but I'm starting to grow to put others ahead of me. If that is the things that you aspire to, I want to invite you to, hey, get discipled. Join the family. Do community. And if you're really up for it, sign up for ministry school. You can have an awesome day. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, and if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.